a brief nude scene in which Dracula seduces Lucy Westerna, played by Kelly O'Hara, received much publicity. Who was nude? Him? <laughs> you finally, after Sedated years and years tail. of wondering, you finally got to see Dracula's dick. I'm sure it was very... Show his fucked up dick. Very pale. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing musical disasters. <laughs> On the stage, it's Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. What happens when you put one of the most famous fictional characters of the 20th century, one of the most popular rock bands of all time, and a once-in-a-generation theatrical talent all onto the same project? One of the most notorious Broadway bungles in theater history. And today we'll be talking all about Julie Taymor, U2, wire safety, and more through the book Song of Spider-Man, the inside story of the most controversial musical in Broadway history. Oh my god. Oh boy, Molly. I'm we very stand a disaster. We do stand a disaster. Uh, so, so this we are including in our uh, kind of ongoing sub-series of, <laughs> of musical disasters. This includes uh I guess Fire Festival, Fire Festival. Woodstock 99. Yep. And now Spider-Man, yes. Turn Off the Dark. Yep. I don't know if anybody's ever put a uh, thread between Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, and Woodstock 99, but we're doing it here today, folks. Sweet. I mean, this is more like Fire Festival in that <laughs> they were saying that they were ready, and by God, they were not ready. Yes. Uh, Woodstock 99, you, can't, you couldn't have prepared to be. Like, th- being ready had nothing to do with it. Yes. They had they trash cans. Yes. They were never going to be ready enough for Woodstock. Yeah. yeah. But no, no one is. No one was was ready for Fire Festival. This, no one was ready for this musical. Holy shit! Does this have as much outright fraud as Fire Festival? There's not a well. Mm, there, I mean, anything with that much money, there's fucked up financial yeah. stuff for sure. Definitely not as as much fraud, but m- maybe more physical injuries and, <laughs> and insults. So that does it does kind of a, a split the difference then of the financial debacle of Fire Festival with the potential for grievous bodily harm that um, Woodstock ninety nine. Woodstock ninety nine, yes. The, all, medical, the medical tent was very busy. All with a playbill. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've been looking forward to getting into this because uh, this is a, a ridiculous thing that I was like, you know, tangentially aware. This happened like right after I moved to New York. Uh huh. So this was like. Something that I was aware of happening and kind of watching schadenfreudically from the, from the sidelines, but I, Spider Freuda. That's Spider what they call Spi- Spidey Freuda. That's Sp- what they call it in this book. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever really delved into the nitty gritty details of this, uh, other than the the banner topics. You know, the presence of of Bono and Thedge. Thedge. Uh, and uh, Julie Taymor's wild reimagining of the Spider Man mythos. Yep, puppets everywhere. Yes. Not even. Well, yeah. No. There were some puppets, I think, implied in the original version of this. <laughs> Gotta um, have some puppets. So, so I saw this, but I saw the I saw Spider Man Turn Off the Dark, but I saw the fixed version yes. in twenty the, the summer version. of twenty twelve. Yes. So it had been on Broadway for like a year at that point. So mm-hmm. they had ironed out the kinks. And um, who did you see this with? I saw this with my friends. My friend Adrian's parents like got us tickets for it. Um, and I liked it. It was <laughs> fine. I was stressed by the Spider-Men who swing over the audience. 
That is a thing that happens. Just because you couldn't divorce the uh, thought of all of people plummeting into the audience from it. It just felt more unsafe than exciting. Yeah, it was on my mind. I remember the plot being kind of blah, the songs being a mixed bag. You know, this mm-hmm. musical is no rent. <laughs> Well, what is? What is? It's, uh, it's no uh, Susical. No, it's, hey. I in lo- terms of adaptation <laughs> of cartoon properties. I, I love Susical, and I know that... Uh, <laughs> I, I know that it was not critically well received, um, but that was like the musical that we did my freshman year of high school. But I still had to, I was still playing soccer at that point. <laughs> I had one more year of being like, let me try to be a jock. But I did play flute in the pit orchestra of Susical, and Aww. I thought the music was just exquisite. It's very whimsical. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I think I've seen Susical once. Notice me, Horton. <laughs> it's good. I anyway, yeah. I'm I how do you feel about musical theater? Uh I generally I like musical theater when it is uh, uh full of spectacle yes. and stage magic uh and don't like it when it is serious and or tries to be serious and or sad. Okay, that's fine. Right? Yeah. I want I And like, you don't like it when it's too long. No. And you don't like it when there are are no songs and this would be commonly referred to as a play. Yes. Do not like plays. Plays are mostly bad. No play should be longer than 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a musical you can stretch out to two, uh, two, two and a half, maybe if you're really pushing it. Two and a half. Uh, I want every musical to be the part of Beauty and the Beast where they turn the beast into the prince at the end. Oh, I thought you were going to say you want it to be the part of Beauty and the Beast where all the furniture comes alive and they sing. I mean, that is also a good part of Beauty and the Beast. It's it's a great part. In terms of parts of Beauty and the Beast, I would put the singing furniture and to- and the transformation as the, the number one and number two. I was also in Beauty and the Beast in <laughs> high school and I played, in that section, I played a salt shaker. Um, my costume was made out of a laundry basket. <laughs> and I had a little, little dance. Um, it was great, so... I love if you couldn't tell I fucking love musical theater or I I did like I used to devote way more emotional energy toward musical theater in high school when I didn't do things like drink um, <laughs> or you know go out and hang out with with friends yes. like in a in in bars or other meeting watering holes What are your top musicals I love Rent I won't apologize I know it's lame I just I that that musical really really spoke to me. There it was sexy <laughs> and everyone was dying. <laughs> See, I don't so those exciting. are the parts that I don't think I would enjoy about musical. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's the best. I love that. I loved I love Wicked. I lo- I mean, uh I love Spring Awakening. I saw Spring Awakening when I was like 18. All all good stuff. I just like I like it, it's like emo. I like emo <laughs> musicals. Where people just emote. Yeah, um, I like like the Music Man. Yeah, where it's just silly and stupid. Just uh, everyone talking and walking and around yeah. and having a good day in the neighborhood. Yeah, and trouble coming to town. Mm. That, well, it doesn't it always. Yeah, and it rhymes with P. It stands for pool hall. Yeah, in Rent, it starts with A and it rhymes it with, with uh, spades. spades. Yeah, and it's AIDS. And it's AIDS. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, That's what that musical's about. That is what I'm not making light of that. It's not about anything. rent per se. <laughs> um, rent is only a portion of, of what they deal with. Leans over to date when they pay for their apartment. That's the rent. That's the rent. Well, it's also, it also means rent as in torn asunder, you oh, know, yes. relationships. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I didn't get that. It's a double entendre. I did not know that rent was a pun. Yeah. All the good ones are. <laughs> 
So you saw this. I saw this. It was fine. I just remember it being were you, fine. Were you uh, were you uh, underwhelmed by how normal it was? Yes. And what I read, I actually read a review of the new, the rebooted version of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And they said that they, when they changed, so we'll, we'll get into this, but um, there was an original version. It was way more Julie Taymor. It was way wilder and weirder. And the plot mm-hmm. was just like kind of more out there. Yeah. But when they changed it, this reviewer, I think it was the New York Times, said that you kind of lost the fun, wild wackiness about yeah. it. And it just became like a theme park ride, yeah. um, which is how I would, it, it reminded me of like, if Pirates of the Caribbean were <laughs> like, like a, a full length uh, musical. Like a, a $50 million budget. Yeah. You know, he's a Spider-Man. He's, he's, he's flies around and there's webs and yes, um, cause that was, he saves the day. Because that was like the story on it is like, they're doing this Spider-Man musical. It is absolutely not what you think. It is a wild uh, like yeah. mythology filled circus performance with yeah. like totally bizarre choices right. around Spider-Man. Right. And then that proved to be a disaster. Yes. And then they sanded all the edges out of it. And then it was just kind of dumb. Just a normal, just a normal Spidey musical. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's get, get into, into it. Um, this book oh, is wait, written. One, one yes. question real quick. Yes. How do you feel about Spider-Man? Oh, um, fine. I respect him. <laughs> You would I, shake his hand. I watched the, you know, I'm I'm not a comic book person by nature, but I watched the three original movies mm-hmm. that when they came out, the Sam Raimi movies. I loved the Tobe, Mister Tobester, yeah, McGuire, uh, and Kiki, Kiki, Kiki Dunst. Um, I liked it. I would say I I feel like a vague, pleasant feeling about Spider Man as a concept. Great. So you 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 were ready to like Spider Man. I was ready to. <laughs> I was ready to like Spider-Man. Great. I also enjoy Spider-Man. Yes. I've been playing a lot of the Spider-Man video game from PS4, and it is uh, uh, fun and soothing to swing around Manhattan as Spider-Man. It, it looks great. Yeah. And he gets to wear different colors of suit. Yes. You can change his suit. That's the most important part about- yeah, is playing uh, dress up. Yeah. Yeah. Skins. The skins. Um, the, so this book is written by Glenn Berger, who wrote, co-wrote the original book for- Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. This is AKA anything that is not sung. Uh-huh. Uh, the words that are spoken in the musical. Uh, he is, he's a character. He's, um, his, his, what he did before the musical, which started in process in like 2007, maybe a little bit before that. Um, but he starts writing in 2007. But he, this book is written in 2013. So it's still on stage when he's writing this. So he's he's dishing the dirt while it's while ongoing. the while the dirt is still uh, bold uh, tender, yeah. Um, and he before this he had written a an off Broadway play that I guess was acclaimed <laughs> and um, wrote for like Arthur on PBS. Okay, so he's kind of a random person to do this, but he somehow got an, a writing tryout for this Spider-Man That seems musical. like a, a really big jump to go from Arthur to writing for Julie Taymor. It's, in, it's super random. I don't know how many people they were scouting out for this thing. Um, so they, just to give some backstory on how this started, the there's an Irish producer named Tony Adams who somehow convinced Marvel to give him the musical rights to Spider-Man. And this was probably back in the early aughts, Early right? aughts. Like, when Marvel was still a little bit in the, the wilderness. Yes. Not not yet owned by Disney. Not even into the cinemat the cinematic universe but, yeah it was i think the movie was being made at the same time that these rights were being handed over so it, mm-hmm. they did not have a blueprint yet for how to bring spider-man to 
the stage or even in a like two hour plot line format. Yeah. Um, were there was there like TV shows of Spider Man? Yeah, there've been uh, cartoons of Spider Man. Yeah. Um, there was kind of a, a '90s ani- a Marvel animated universe that was pretty good. The X Men movie or the X Men TV show, notable, yeah. for its uh, badass theme song and uh, pretty good uh, plotting. Oh, I think I saw one of those episodes at Spoons, Tunes, and Booze in uh, at Nighthawk in yes. Williamsburg, where you pay thirty dollars for unlimited cereal <laughs> and other people with different tastes than you to choose the cartoons. <laughs> it was fine. I was expecting more like Doug and yes. Rugrats, and it was like X Men. It's fine. Uh, it's, I'm fine. It's I'm pretty not good. Bitter. We did that. We in college on our college's big party day, we put on a, a live, oh the big day di- like the spring day. Yeah, the spring day. We put on a live action version of one of those episodes of that cartoon as a play, uh, in which okay. we like stagehands all dressed in black, and like when Magneto levitated things, like guys dressed in black would come out and like pick up <laughs> an aluminum foil covered piece of cardboard and nice. like wave it around and stuff nice. like that. It was pretty fun. That's good. <laughs> so Tony Adams gets the rights to Spider-Man. Tony is Irish, and I guess if you're Irish and you have a certain amount of money, you mm-hmm. know Bono, <laughs> or you have his number. Yes, um, he gets Bono on the edge to write the music. Like they're on board immediately. He gets Julie Taymor to direct. Um, Julie Taymor is immediately like, "Cool, I'm not like a comic book person. Let me try to figure out an angle." And then she comes at them with like, "I want this Spider-Man musical to involve the myth of Arachne, <laughs> who is the weaver who w- did a weaving competition with the the goddess who starts with an A, uh, Athena. <laughs> Athena, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> should have written that one down. Um, gets in a weaving competition with Athena and like beats her, and Athena's like." congratulations, bitch, you're a spider now. <laughs> I th- I believe that's the gist of the myth. And so Julie Tamer was like, cool, I want this to be the theme of <laughs> the Spider-Man <laughs> musical. Yes, uh, Spider-Man's classic villains, the gods of ancient Greece. Yes, yes. Um, they recruited this writer, Neil Jordan, and his first draft of the book included some like really weird stuff about the character of Arachne seducing Norman Osborn with okay, like sure. one leg and then she pulls out like more and more legs and then she like suffocates him with her legs and it's written in this very creepy way and they're like we need to get a new writer because <laughs> this kind of sucks and so Glenn Berger he he writes he doesn't write a, a sample scene as he is assigned. Mm-hmm. He writes a note about why he couldn't possibly write a sample scene and this note gets him in the door with Julie Taymor. His note about why he can't write this thing gets him the job of writing this thing. Can you think of something more male? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm i sorry. I can't. You've I got the job. simply cannot write this. Congratulations. Uh, he, he, um, he sits down with Bono and Bono's like, Glenn, this has to be brilliant. It has to be. Like but the, Bono mean, knows what what's riding on this musical I before anyone else does. That's just what Bono says about everything. It's like it's like. So, do you want a side salad or fries with that? Listen, all I care about this meal is that it has to be brilliant. It's got to be. It's got to be amazing. Amazing. Simply brilliant. Transcendent. Uh, these these breadsticks. They're not transcendent. They Sorry. Must be amazing. Sir, this is an olive garden. <laughs> yeah. Everything in Bono's life needs to be uh, just divine. Uh, he Glenn includes this anecdote that when he writes an early draft of the script and hands it to the, the boys, the, the Dubliner boys, Bono... So, okay. I cannot uh, imitate Mr. Burns from... Um, 
The Simpsons. But in a Mr. Burns voice, he says, now how long have you been with us, Smithers? You're going to get on very well in this corporation. (laughs) Bono says this to Glenn Berger. That's amazing. Uh, Wow. Bono confirmed Simpsons fan. I guess I just I wouldn't think he even has the time to uh, <laughs> to watch watch television. Although I do just imagine then like trying to get notes from Bono being like, so what did you like? What did you not like? And, and Bono just being like, it needs to be more excellent. <laughs> he So he in this book, he seems honestly like a fairly fair collaborator. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. It's it's not like the difficult rock stars. Yeah, they they're kind of workhorses. No, Bono and Bono and all the U two guys seem like genuinely nice, hardworking guys. Yeah. almost to their detriment. Yeah, like not a lot of diva ish behavior yeah. from. I them. mean, that's it's it's almost like the Anne Hathaway thing, where the, the thing that people um like make fun of or or roll their eyes mm. at Bono is his like endless. Uh, earnest. Uh, unstoppable earnestness. Yeah, that almost that in which everything he does absolutely has to outdo everyone else in the world and outdo his himself and everything that you two has ever done beforehand. Yep. Uh, he can never not be extremely extra about demanding the highest from himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's how he rolls. Um, and then Glenn also shares a, a, a little mini scene of, he completes the first script in 2007 um, at Julie, at one point when he's like flying home from wherever they are, he comes up behind. Uh, she comes up behind him in, in the Delta Lounge, <laughs> and she nuzzles him and says, "I've been looking for someone like you for a long time." Oh my god, Th- this sounds very weird and creepy and cult like. It's kind of bl- like in the he's this prose is very purple. Like he's very <laughs> he's very extreme and exaggerated and musical theater in the way in the way that he shares this. But he also begins the book by saying, "Julie Taymor despises." me with photograph shredding rage it's been 30 <laughs> months since that last phone call that last lit match on a kerosene doused relationship oh, six years of collaboration kafush <laughs> so we see we first see him having a falling out with julie in media res in media res and then but at this point it's the honeymoon yes. phase so she loves Is, him so does he get paid throughout all of this no okay we'll get into that <laughs> no he does not well we can talk about that now no he absolutely does not he i think he gets a stipend to for rent okay. but even that has problems okay like he just everything goes everything starts to go wrong one of the things that goes wrong is like he has a sublet and he gives a deposit and then the subletter died oh god <laughs> and so like and somehow spent the like six thousand dollars that he put down on the apartment before he died um i don't know it's it's sus uh but he does not get like all the performers the crew Mm -hmm. as these things come together get paid he's not getting paid beyond like a per diem sure and so he's like broke kind of (laughs) like he recounts a a, like he goes out to dinner with like bono and the edge and julie taymor all of whom are like multimillionaires. and julie's like we should split the check oh god and he's like, I literally don't have the money. Oh my god! He's he's like, I was skint, you know the yes. <laughs> How embarrassing to have to at the end of your meal with Bono be like, so can you uh, mind taking care of this, Bono? <laughs> oh, I would be shitting my pants. I don't. I guess I would just be like, I'm so sorry, but I'm not in you too. Like. <laughs> I have not spent the last thirty years making millions of dollars yes, from heavy. hit records and touring. Yes. Sorry. I work I worked at Hope, PBS. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you'll understand, Bono. Bono, please, please please get my share of the check, Bono. Um okay, so 
the news breaks. They're trying to keep it under wraps, but news breaks that a Spider-Man musical is in the works. And Glenn says he had imagined it would be pretty unanimously greeted by the fanboys with wow and also cool. <laughs> but the news sent them straight into brain melt. Well, so I mean, what doesn't? I mean, this is, I feel like, one of the first eras of nerd yeah. culture, nerd fan culture. And this is uh, super, it's an interesting negative. intersection of two different kinds of extremely passionate nerd culture intersecting mm-hmm. uh, in a very different different way. But like, I don't know, did they do like Comic-Con panels or shit like that for this this thing? I don't know. That's a good see, question. Let's see. Cause it, 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 they should have. It, it, one of the most fascinating parts of this thing coming together is that it's developed and happening in tandem with this rise and consolidation of these like superhero movies, but yes. it feels very other from all those things, yeah. you know? Yes. Uh, so it, it's funny to think about how this weird project fits in with like the last decade of Marvel movies. Yes, right. Um, so he, they've already got eyeballs on them from fans being like, they're definitely going to screw this up. Why would you? Wh- how do you? <laughs> like every time a fan, <laughs> if something comes up and fans are fans are like, oh, they're gonna ruin this. The concept of a Spider-Man musical. How is there something to be ruined there? Yeah. There's not like an issue of a well-known trade paperback in which Spider-Man is portrayed as a musical. The very concept of it is like wholly divorced of the entire Spider-Man backstory. Right. And also like you don't have to go see it either. Like yes. incidentally, and I'm sure fact, 99% of the people who were talking about it online had no plans to see it and would never would never have gone. Yes, it's uh, it's basically impossible to see it. Almost nobody can see Broadway musicals. Yeah, that's they're why like they're the so most, expensive. Yeah, they're like the most elite form of culture and some of the most elite forms of culture in the world. Yes. I don't know. Yes. There was indeed a uh, New York Comic Con panel for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark in October of 2011. Okay. So that was after they had premiered. Yes. So they didn't. Okay, good. Because we'll talk more about the the promotion, the PR for this yeah. as it as it grinds along. So the fanboys are mad. Then they realize, of course, Glenn is like, "Oh wow, I wrote all this stuff about fighting midair and shooting webs and <laughs> weaving giant like webs yes. in over the stage. We actually have to do those things now. <laughs> um, how do we execute it?" And so there's this whole segment where he's talking about how they. Develop everything. Um, the early budget for this is twenty-five to thirty million dollars, okay. which is expensive for, for a, musical. a musical. And this is at an era in musicals in New York that are minimalist, yes, like stripped down productions. I, and so this stands out as like, oh my god, it's already going to be quite expensive. I'm just thinking of um, a friend of a friend of ours uh, who has is a TV writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first started writing for TV, he was telling me about the experience of like uh, writing a scene for something mm-hmm. and just offhandedly at the front of the scene without any real reason in it other than, you know, it's just what he was imagining. Just yeah. writes. It's like it's raining interior house. It's dark and raining outside. Yeah. yeah. And then six to eight weeks later, when it goes into production, being on set and watching, you know, dozen 60 people working at 1 a.m. in the morning to generate fake rain in the middle of los angeles that's wild because he wrote he just wrote those two words yeah yeah uh and and because of that everybody's up at the middle of the night working these giant rain machines or uh, or something for (laughs) you know as he's sitting there in the writer's chair (gasps) over on the side being like this there's no real reason this scene has to take place at night during a rainstorm like uh uh we can turn we can turn it off turn off the wet but you can't you can maybe turn off the wet yeah 
No. No. Anyway. That's wild. It's, it's slightly different because you kind of do need shooting webs and flying through the air for You do. You do. And they wrote things thinking that they could be done based yes. on the history of theatrical production. But also remember, Glenn Berger has been writing for Arthur. So Yeah, not that much web slinging in Arthur. No. Um, just some learning about uh, boundaries friendship? and friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's some friendship in there. Um, okay. So... Flying has always been done in the theater, in the theater, theater um, with Peter Foy's method, which was invented for Peter Pan. So that um, Peter Foy's Peter Pan method, Peter Foy's Peter Pan method. Uh, so it's called flying by Foy, which is manually operated. Yes. One person in the air, at least one person on the ground pulling some strings. Yes. So I imagine there's like a counterweight and then somebody manually like pulling. Swinging. Yeah. yeah. They designed a digital mechanism for flying, sure. which is cool. Unprecedented. Uh, needs to be programmed each time. So it's a computer. Right. And that so I, is obviously not as intuitive as just telling a person, oh, he needs to fly a little bit this way. Yes. Instead, you are telling a computer and they have to beep, boop, beep, boop. I assume it's like programming a digital light rig on top mm. where you like, you know, set your marks, set your focus level, and yeah. then kind of hit when you hit the cue, the mechanism right. just does it. Right. Yes. So they're working on that. Um, they have, and by the way, Bono and the, the Hedge, the Hedge are writing um, the songs. The songs are kind of coming in. They're fitting in with the plot. Yes. There's a song called Bouncing Off the Walls, yes. which we should probably listen you to. You listen to a little bit? Yeah. All right. This is uh, Bouncing Off the Walls off Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, the original cast recordings. I do have to say that these songs are very YouTube. They're very YouTube. They're very rock. A yeah. lot of rock musicals are actually, yes. I mean, very not... There are only rock musicals in the sense that rock music sometimes sounds like theater music. Yes. Like, or that they have, like, guitars in them. Yeah. But no, these are very uh, rock songy. Yeah. And this guy, Reeve Carney. He's a rock singer. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's doing a, a very uh, a very good approximation of uh, a bono, bono vocal style. Yeah. This song is from when he realizes that he has that spider he is powers. the Spider-Man. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the Spider-Man. I'm the Spider-Man now. I'm not a Spider-Man. I'm a Spider-Man. That's basically what this musical is. Yes. Yep. And so in this number, he's flipping around his bedroom, which is a bunch of moving walls held by human beings. This made it... this, This... stayed in the version that I saw, the yes. Spider-Man 2.0, as it is referred to uh, by fans. He, So in order to do all this flying and flipping around the stage, basically they cannot avoid a situation where he needs to be clipped into a twisty belt yes. with cables in order to have this happen. Um, Julie's solution for this is that Peter Parker should embrace... Uh, this interaction with the crew, have him toss the cables to a crew guy and say, hook me up, Joe, expose <laughs> the artifice. <laughs> That's so 
that is such like a theater person type thing of being like, we will embrace the artificial nature of this because what are stories if not an interaction between man and universe around us? It is, <laughs> is not the very method of storytelling us trying to manipulate our world around it. So to show that, we will have him interact with the essence, the threads of his universe, which are, in this case, the stage hand. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. That sounds like what I imagine Julie Tabor yes. would, would sound like. But like that sounds, I mean, to me, that sounds shitty. Yes. And I, I understand that there has to be a certain level of like charming acknowledgement of the fact that we are not in a CGI yes. movie where he can just do this that stuff. This spider is not actually flying. But hook, hook me up, Joe. <laughs> Sounds so stupid. So fucking dumb. Oh, God. Oh, hook me up, Jim. Uh, <laughs> you can actually watch some of the stuff. There. I was watching before we started this, mm-hmm. or the other week, uh, a bunch of clips from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, and I'll try to, to link them in the show notes here. Uh, they're, they're worth looking at just to like get a sense of what this thing is, because it's kind of hard to imagine what it is just talking about it. And at this point, I should say that all of these plot points are being Glenn is recounting them the way that the original plot was going. And it's quite confusing <laughs> and it's, there's never a clear, like he never runs through things beat yeah. by beat um, of what the plot of, of this. what the literal plot is yeah. at this point. There's so, I just remember all the stupid elements of this or the, the confounding elements of this of being like, there was a Greek chorus of geeks. Yes. It's called the geek chorus. Of course. <laughs> um, and, uh, so th- yeah, there's an the, Arachne the spider god who's like involved, but Norman Osborn is still involved. Just there's a Mary Jane, there, yes. Um, and so there, like the original plot was going to have a fight between Peter and the Green Goblin in the first act, and then the second act would have something wild with him and Arachne, yes, who has been fooling him into thinking that crimes have been happening in New York that aren't. <laughs> actually happening happening so okay. like there's like a sinister six yes the classic set of spider-man and villains. so arachne like f- shows him like some fake hashtag fake news i guess <laughs> of like uh, the, you, oh my god these people you need to go get them and oh, then somehow yeah traps him in her yeah web but i can't tell whether she's supposed to be like mad at him or like wants him to totally be a spider or that she wants to fuck him <laughs> like i don't know why she's there what is arachne's motivation and i don't think glenn Berger knows why she's there other but, than it's it's like that uh that producer kevin smith tells a great story about uh one being asked to direct a Superman movie, but the producer insists that there has to be a giant spider in the third act. <laughs> and uh, he, that project eventually fell through, but that producer eventually got his giant spider in the third act when he produced Wild Wild West. Oh, I was going to say Harry Potter, but no. that was written in Harry Potter. Uh, okay, yes. But it, it. it sounds like uh, this is Julie Taymor's version of that, where she's like, I don't care how it's happening. I'm putting a spider god into something. Yes, I, I am attached to Arachne. Which is the most baffling part about this thing because the pitch of Spider-Man musical yeah. seems like it should be so over the plate. Yeah. Like it's a beloved character, huge rogues gallery. We do, You do a little circus flying around in it. Yeah. Get you two to do some rock songs. Sure. Easy. Yeah. And then just everything has to be more complicated by a half because of because Julie Tamor is a visionary. She is a visionary. And, and he he kind of makes fun of she gets all these awards kind of in the, pro, the seven year process of working on this <laughs> musical um, where everyone talks about her uncompromising vision. <laughs> yes. And like 
Listen, I love an uncompromising vision. Yes. It's how we went to the moon, I guess. Mm-hmm. But also, um, <laughs> I don't know if that includes insisting on a huge spider woman yes. in your Spider-Man Spider Man. Yes. musical. Um, I don't know, Julie. I don't know. But she's got she's got a she's got a blank check. Yes. from the Lion King, hugely successful, continues yes. to make an still, ass ton of still money. On Broadway still on right Broadway. Now. It's probably been there for like will years. will end up being the next kind of Phantom of the Opera in terms of longevity. Yeah, I'm sure when the new Lion King movie comes out, it'll be revitalized and people want to see yeah. Lion King on Broadway again. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, running basically forever. So there's there's precedent for hiring her of like turning something into a magical yeah. theater experience. Right. But also the Lion King had good music and a plot and it's just Hamlet with animals. Yeah. But also she, she didn't like it. take the Lion King movie and be like, you know, what would uh, make this better if the lions were actually the descendants of an alien race <laughs> that had come to earth in ancient times to affect the development of all life on earth. Yeah. And we will see these aliens looking on, observing the Lion King as it goes in a chorus of extraterrestrial lion beasts. <laughs> like, the, the Lion King in, in this actually isn't Mufasa. It's a, a actual Lion King, a yes. king alien lion yes. on Mars who has birthed this entire race of lions. It's all happening in the imagination of a dying boy. <laughs> and we will see him periodically and learn his story throughout. <laughs> Yeah, that's what she's doing with this yeah, yeah. stuff. The the geek chorus and yeah. all that also just shows that they I feel like they don't understand their audience. Yes. I don't think anyone any geeks want to see geeks on stage, stage that yeah. aren't Peter Parker. Yes. Who isn't a, like he's a geek but also like he's he's Spider-Man. Yeah. He can do the things. Yeah. He can get a you spider done. can. <laughs> he can do things a spider can. Um so the production is getting more and more expensive. There are things being built for plot points that don't make sense, <laughs> um, especially anything involving like illusions and reality and understanding of the Greek myths. Like, okay. Glenn is getting more and more concerned that like the audience is not going to understand what's going on. Which and, again, Spider-Man is not complicated stories. No, definitely not. Um, and Julie is just like, don't worry about all that shit. She says, a girl is going to turn into a spider and then she's going to get mad. That's how she describes the arachne plot. Yes. Um, but then Marvel also is not happy with the script. Sure. Uh, and they they write a memo called Specific Reasons Why the Musical, If Unchanged, Will Adversely Affect Marvel's Brand. <laughs> That is extremely Marvel shit. Uh, yes. They think it's it's too dark and it's too sexy. Um, <laughs> like Mary Jane's it, dad is like too abusive. Sure. Uh, Arachne is like too, too seductive. Uh, so they need, they're like, you guys need to fucking dial it being down. Like a editor at Marvel and being like, well, I guess my main problem with the Spider-Man musical is that the ancient Greek spider God is too sexual. <laughs> didn't, didn't think I was going to even have to say a that, sentence yes. like that, but here we are. Uh, it's also leaked to the press. Like, Stuff starts leaking to the press that like the budget is ballooning and that yes. things are you know wills are being uh, visions are uncompromised. <laughs> um, w- that feeling when the vision too uncompromised. The vision too uncompromised. They try to cast this musical. Um, they originally want Jim Sturgis from Across the Universe, sure. Julie Taymor's Beatles movie, which I like. I have not seen that movie. Really, that was like all girl like girls ladies loved that movie. Sure. Romantic and trippy and Beatles and Beatles. Um, 
Jim Sturge is read for Peter Parker. He eventually is like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> this sounds weird. This and sounds weird bad. and bad. Um, eventually they get Reeve Carney, who doesn't even really have a theater background. Like he's a, basically an L.A. rock singer. Jo- would you call him a journeyman? He he's a journeyman. A journeyman rock, rock singer? Yeah. His name is Reeve Carney. <laughs> That's a rock and roll name. Yeah. Um, Evan Rachel Wood is originally going to be the Mary Jane. Uh, then she decides she does not want to be the Mary Jane. Glenn Berger speculates it's because she started dating Marilyn Manson at this time. And Marilyn Manson was just like, please don't do this. <laughs> that sounds lame. It sounds like it sucks. <laughs> and that's, that's not Marilyn Manson's voice. He has not much edgy more. enough. Yeah. I don't know about it's this Spider-Man. Da- it's not dark <laughs> and twisted. I want you to turn on the dark. Now, if it was, say, Evan. a Joker musical, that would be more my speed. That would be sweet. Marilyn Manson in a Joker musical would actually be kind of awesome. That would rule. I would go. I would endorse that. I would go see it. I would want to embrace the Jared Leto Joker aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, would Jared Leto insist on being in that though? Oh, because he's he also a rock singer. singer. Yeah. yeah. So all those thirty seconds to Mars. <sighs> yeah. I Longest guess... tour of all time, baby. <laughs> Never forget. You know, as much as I'd love to see Marilyn Manson in a musical, just get Jared Leto to do it. Make it a musical. He'll do it. Get do this with the. Joker musical, yeah. put like Tamor on it, get gods involved. Yes, like, right. Make it make it weird. This, that, w- that would be stupid enough to be good weird. The biggest mistake in this is that I really don't think Spider-Man is supposed to be weird. weird. It's a pretty straightforward, classic, all-American hero. And I know Sam Raimi did like some weird like aesthetic yeah. touches. But it's but mostly it just like over the top. Your classic tale as old as time of boy who gets bitten by a radioactive spider and puts on red pajamas to fight crime. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a real one, two, three uh, yeah. story. The the Joker musical would be an yeah. incredible Tamor yeah. production. Uh, fuck me up, fam, with the Joker musical. Yeah, make it happen. Um, so they they kind of build their cast. Two thousand eight into two thousand nine, the economy tanks. Sure. Um, somehow the musical is twenty million dollars short. Oh God! Uh, they literally have to go dark at the theater for seven months. There can be no work to be done uh, because there is no money to pay anyone to do the work. Uh, Bono makes some phone calls, including <laughs> one to one of the Napster founders. They never figured out whether it was Sean Parker or, or the, the other, other Sean. <laughs> but I just Sean love that ba- Bono's Rolodex is probably insane. Um, Sean, baby, listen to me. I need some money for my, my spider thing. Just, you owe me one. You owe me one. For all those times <laughs> you stole people my downloaded my, my music on Napster. I feel like I'm giving him way too little way too of Irish. a... Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a nice balanced yes. I can't do Irish that, that well, which is why my Bono is just British. Yeah, that's okay. I don't think he'll, he'll sure, mind. baby. Give me some spider money. Give me that spider money. I want, I want that spider money. Uh, they, they bring on this producer, Michael Cole, who is quite, quite rich for... <laughs> turning the Rolling Stones into like a true touring like a, uh, yeah. behemoth. Yes, um, like arena stadium He like house. quintupled their re- tour revenues when he started taking over in like the 90s. Whenever you remember like the Rolling Stones as, wow, they are so old and here they are still touring. <laughs> that that was, was him. <laughs> He's a genius. Yes. <laughs> He's like, you may think you're old, but there's still money to be wrung out of this stone there's, yet. Yeah, there's still blood in those in the fucking in those stones. Rolling stones. Yeah. Just gotta get them before they roll away. Um, so they they find they find their money from Sean or Sean or whoever and this Michael guy. Um, but 
Glenn Berger says seven months of obtrusive reporting and chat room mockery <laughs> had effectively switched out the default descriptor for our show. The highly anticipated Spider-Man was now the troubled Spider-Man. Oh, no. So things are troubled. Now, once you get that troubled moniker, it's hard to shake. Yeah. Um, things start to go seriously off the rails in 2010 production wise as they are. They go into tech okay. um, and oh, my God. So one example is that there is a song. Uh, that Arachne does called <laughs> Deeply Furious, written by Bono and the Edge. Let's see if we can find this because I don't think it survived 2.0. Uh, uh, it is about Arachne putting on her eight shoes and hitting the town. <laughs> <laughs> it has the chorus. The chorus goes, shoe shine chamois, a shoe, shoe, shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull this up uh, quickly. Um, there's a, a rig that's meant to shoot a web at, over the audience's heads at the end of the second act, and it malfunctions, and it's a million dollars just completely down the drain. Just what? doesn't work. A web over their heads? I, I don't know how it's supposed snaring the audience in a net? This sounds dangerous. I don't know if it's supposed to like stop right over your head. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. It didn't work. Um. They are doing tech rehearsals for every hour of tech rehearsal. They get through 42 seconds of the show. Oh, my God. They have to stop that often to fix, you know, things getting tangled. Oh, my God. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, winches if, that aren't cranked. Properly. If you've ever done, like, theater, even yeah. in a student capacity, you know how tedious yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Tech, tech is. To do simple shit. Yes. But so you can kind of, I, I mean, I can kind of imagine, like, the experience of doing something like that. But an hour for 42 seconds my god yeah it sounds it sounds and imagine maddening. poor reeve ha hanging upside down and shit all the time yes yes um they uh they have a sales presentation which is they run through the entire show for a bunch of sellers yeah. so they can go and like figure Try out to how to hawk how tickets. to market this thing yes. and um at that presentation there's a dancer who has to perform this cable assisted jump onto a ramp sure uh breaks his wrists yes both his wrists doing that first injury uh of this production not the last <laughs> and the uh the um all the marketers were like uh well i guess we can sell this to kind of the uh the the stunt lovers crowd yeah people uh, who the evil knievel uh, fans might enjoy this or like wwe fans yeah, yeah. um oh that'd they, be another good good type of musical that they should do a professional wrestling musical yes, yes. oh that would actually be amazing yeah that'd be sweet um there's another injury when the woman who's playing arachne is off stage fixing her costume and got beamed by like a clip that uh, a, a crew member just like try he was like unclipped something and just like threw it backstage and, and she like just gets whacked in the head hit her it. in the back of the neck and like she got a concussion oh jesus um and so she was like out of rehearsals for like a couple months um that happened uh, there's a guy. They're just talking about these weird wasting, uh, wastings of monies. Uh, there's a guy who's supposed to be. <laughs> I can't do this. He's supposed to be a Jamaican carnival barker of oh sorts. Oh God, what are you doing? He what? And I guess he used to. He, it was not. There was not a an ethnic component to this role, but they realized the guy could do a Jamaican accent, and so that's what it became. And it became this whole Jamaican number. Why? And he needs plastic drums to play as sure. props. In plastic drums. Mm -hmm. They build him a thousand dollar like plastic drum rig, but it's not 
actual it's like a fake fake yeah. plastic drums yes like the like famous the radiohead, radiohead song. song yes of course. um and then it like it just doesn't work like it doesn't work the way it's supposed to and doesn't sound the way it's supposed to so they eventually swap but that thousand dollar drum out down the rabbit hole of insane ideas you are when they're like well we're building in a thousand dollar workable drum set that doesn't actually make drumming noises no. because this carnival barker bit has become jamaican jamaican in our spider-man musical yeah exactly just the 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 budget and yes i i just don't even i don't even understand um i'm going to read so uh, these rehearsals are going horribly at one point arachne gets stuck in the air for nine minutes um at their first official preview Nine yes. minutes. I, these are the stories that I remember hearing about this stuff. Is like people caught in the air a long times. I'm sure I heard yeah. about the guy who Hanging broke his wrists. Down. Yeah, all that stuff. The, so he's talking about right before. It's literally they they have not teched the last scene, um, and if they do not do it in a two hour window, they will do their first preview without having done the tech. teched the last scene or they just might not even do it. They might just bring people into the sure. theater and be Sounds like, good. the last 10 minutes of this musical actually don't exist yet. Sorry. <laughs> um, you can kind of imagine how this ends, you know, more Greek God business. Right. Yeah. Ascending to heaven. Use your imagination. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is the web coming from the ceiling sure. thing, I think. Um, and so they're like, okay, let's do it. So everyone manned their stations. We were going to roll the dice. The net took up a lot of space on the pit floor and just finding the corners of the net to clip the cables to was going to be difficult, especially because it needed to happen in the dark. The task was made more difficult by the fact that in addition to the stage crew, Natalie Mendoza, that's Arachne, in enormous spider legs would also be on the pit lift getting dressed by dressers. There were also props assistants on the lift prepping the spider legs. There was also Jen Damiano, that's Mary Jane, who will have just been lowered from the Brooklyn Bridge and who would be getting unclipped by a stage manager. There was also a Spider-Man, not the Spider-Man, a Spider-Man, who will have just tumbled in slow motion into the pit. He'd be getting unclipped. There would also be Reeve Carney lying on the pit lift floor in his Spider-Man costume, waiting to be delivered by the lift. It was basically going to be that crowded stateroom scene in the Marx Brothers A Night at the Opera with a couple <laughs> of superheroes and a giant spider thrown in. <laughs> so this is just every scene is like this. Yes. They have to coordinate a mil like zillions of people right. for this shit. It's I'm stressed just it's, thinking about it. Sounds good and easy to follow. It's crazy. Um uh same preview, the initial preview. They uh right before the end of Act One, Spider-Man gets stuck in the air because someone accidentally pushes an emergency button backstage that is shuts down everything. Okay. It's like an like absolutely Somebody last. pushes the 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 big button uh, marked do not touch. Yes, exactly. Um and then there's a really bad injury at another preview where there's a stunt guy slash dancer who falls off a bridge into the pit. 30 feet oh my God. to the concrete floor. He was originally flying head first. He oh. manages to twist in the air to fall on his back. Still he not great. has a collapsed lung, oh. several fractured vertebrae, oh. and cracks a few ribs. He could have died. That is definitely a possibly deadly injury. He le And it wasn't just like he fell. Like he mm. jumped and there wasn't a cable attached to like a wall where it was supposed to be. I, I can't imagine what the fucking waivers for this thing were like. It was insane. I'm sure none of these people got uh, significant, uh, like really significant comp for this stuff because I'm sure they signed away so many of their yeah. uh, ability to, to sue or anything. Right. Um, and then so 
things are really, really not good. It's February. <laughs> have, we, of, have we updated from uh, troubled to in crisis? Disa- in, disastrous. Um, they're supposed to open February of 2011. They blow that deadline. And then they're supposed to open in like April. They blow that deadline. Mm-hmm. There is whisperings of rewrites that will fix some of the right. plot holes and also the crazy tech stuff. Um, this is not a great time for rewrites because they have already spent $25 million on, yes. of Sean, Sean Fanning or Sean Parker's money on this shit. <laughs> I can't, the, the Sean Parker, uh, connection is a real twist in this. Yeah. Uh, imagine having uh Napster money and just having someone come to you and be like, what do you think about the Spider-Man musical? Can you throw us like five mil and then be like, like sure. Sure. Hell yeah. Why not? Uh, and at this point, Glenn, Berger has been working on this for the like a half a decade like right? five five years at this point um so he he thinks that they should rewrite it he knows that Julie will be upset mm-hmm. if he brings this up and so this is where the sort of like drama and intrigue and like cast or crew backstabbing starts to happen where like he takes Bono and the edge over and is like I think I have a plan it would involve you know, moving a plot point from act one into act two and like mm-hmm. downgrading this arachne thing because yes. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it's apparently incredibly dangerous and time consuming to put all the shoes on her. Yes. Wait, yeah, there's just too many legs. Too many. My main note with the spider is uh, too many legs. <laughs> Could she just have two? Yes. You know, you can imagine the other six. Uh, he, so he's like Michael Cole, the, um, Rolling Stones guy. Like he's down for a rewrite. Bono and the Edge. Such a wild group of of people. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, and I'm sure, do you get the sense from this book that Glenn Berger constantly is, is like feeling in over his head? Cause he's like, I've got to talk to these like super, like incandescent superstar producers and like literal rock stars to be like. Hey, what do you feel about changing this line? Yeah, you know, stuff like that. There's definitely a like, oh, little old me yeah. in this. Um, but so this this kind of this plan is hatched behind Julie's back. Um, meanwhile, like the press start just cut. Like the press weren't supposed to review this until the show premiered. Weird, yes, um, but they just decided to review a preview, uh-huh. um, and the reviews are not good. <laughs> Um, even though one rave review comes from Glenn Beck (laughs) who spent literally 20 minutes on his radio show talking about how much he loved Spider-Man turn off the dark. Oh man. That guy has a kind of just his tastes are pretty wild. He, this is like, he eventually comes back too. Yes. Yes. He eventually comes uh, backstage and like shakes uh, Glenn Berger's hand and is like, congratulations, man. I love this musical. And so I fear for it. So on one hand, he, he he has everyone else being like, this musical sucks. And on the other hand, he has Glenn Beck <laughs> saying, actually, it's really good. You got to I, I don't know what this guy's politics are, but you got to assume that that was maybe even more of a twist of the knife. Yes. Yeah. I think he's a relatively liberal dude. Yes. Um, Considering that all of Glenn Beck's people don't want PBS to exist. Heart, heartbreaking. Worst person you know likes your work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the trash is right. Um, yeah. So there's there's this intrigue uh, backstage uh, where they're trying to like figure out how to get this in front of Julie. Uh, Glenn suggests it to Julie. And Julie... So he, Julie's known for having these kind of blow-ups at people where she just yells at someone yes. and gives them the full wrath of yes. her being her uncompromising vision. her uncompromising vision she's gonna give you her two two barrels of her uncompromising vision straight to the face yes um so he 
he kind of like is trying to prepare her for the fact that maybe the rewrites are going to be a conversation. And he's, she starts screaming at him and he says, I looked at her face. There was no sign that we were chums, no sign that she even recognized me. And I didn't see the woman I knew either. As I peered through the bolts of crackling flame coming <laughs> straight at me, as I dodged her black cloud of sharp taloned crows, her fang bearing hounds made of hellfire, her dot, dot, dot. Uh, you weren't kidding about the purple pros. He's dramatic. Look, if you stare long enough into the evil, uh, spider God, the evil spider God stares also into you. <laughs> Yeah, he he weaves some vague uh, uh, metaphors in about like how Arachne like is maybe Julie <laughs> and like, you know, she her her uncompromising vision is perhaps her her, her pride and her downfall. Yes. Um, and her version of Athena uh, turning her into a spider is all of these people being like, Julie, you are fired. <laughs> <laughs> you are out. Um, there's a point uh, uh, before they they officially pitched Julie this rewrite. Uh, Glenn shares an important insight, which I would like to share because I think it's relevant to and introducing as a whole. Okay. Um, He said, Bono once told me one of the secrets to U2's crazy long career. How had these four men, each with a strong personality and unique understanding of his craft, been able to work together for almost 30 years? The four of them realized long ago that if they were arguing over a song, then that was an instant indication to the defenders that the song wasn't good enough yet. Because Bono said, when something is truly good, there is no arguing. That is good. That is interesting. Right? I think that is a helpful way of thinking about collaboration. Yeah. Because if you don't, if people are arguing over shit, mm-hmm. it's probably not It's probably ready. because it has flaws. Yeah. Usually, if something is good, everyone listens to it and is like, like that's ah, good. that's good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no no changes from me. Yes, no notes. No notes. Move, move on. Um, so, obviously, there's plenty of arguments yeah. about this musical, which I, means I that do. it is not brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. It just has incredible. brilliant. I do like imagining uh, Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr., like seeing this all happen from a farm and just be like, Oh, glad, glad we didn't follow the mates into this one. (laughs) (laughs) Periodically calling up. So the edge, how's your spider thing going? going? (laughs) (laughs) Not, not good, Adam. Not Not good. good. Not good at all. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, you two are still recording, you know, no, no line on the horizon. They do like two different albums over the, course of this production huge tours they start doing the um the 360, the 360. Yeah. so they're like still i think at some point they put their album on everyone's ipod yeah this is got around so that era yeah yeah this was all coming together because i remember that at that time it was like who the, the kind of outrage of like who do you two think they are trying to insinuate themselves back into pop culture like this yeah doing this spider-man musical put forcing their albums on my on my i i things I think I think they're full of you too. I I an apologia, if you will, for you too. Yes. I know you talked about Bono as like the most earnest guy. Yeah, and I think that is good. And I think that he when they came back from their '90s irony like yes. zone with um all that you can't leave behind, Bono was like, "We want to be the biggest band in the world." Yes, and I think that that kind of like framework setting mm-hmm. of creativity is great. Yes. I wish more bands would try to be the best band in the world. Yes. Because right now, not really. That seems to not be... Taylor Swift is kind of doing that. Yeah, I, I th- it, 
Beyonce's kind of doing that. In this era of like personal brand uh, supremacy. Yeah. You know, Beyonce is not trying to be the best performer in the world. She's trying to be the best Beyonce Beyonce. in the world. Yes. And I know that that feels a little ambiguous, but I think you you get what I'm saying. Yeah. She knows her her lanes. U2 doesn't know know their their lanes. lanes. They want to be the best at everything. Everything they do. They feel like they are competing with Beyonce. Yes. Because they're both musicians. Yes. And U2's goal as a musician and performer is to be the best musical performers in the world. Yeah. Beyonce does not think about U2. No, she's not. Um, but they also want to be the best musical writers, <laughs> yes. the best humanitarians, yes. the best like AIDS fundraisers, yes. probably the best politicians at some point. Sure. Although maybe they yeah, understand pro- at this point it's better to be yeah. the ones right, signing the checks and pulling the strings. It, rather would, than... it would be amazing if Bono became the president of Ireland in like his 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the president of the United States. I'm like, I can weirdly see that happening. Uh, just... Fudge a couple of yeah. constitutional laws. It's fine. Um, so yeah, that anyway, that was just a, an aside yeah. about. No, I I mean, I as long as we're talking about you two, I I do I thought around this time I thought they were over the hill and cheesy. And honestly, sure. listening to all of you talking you two to me, which was one of one of the inspirations for starting this show, yeah, uh, really ended up making me a big fan and appreciator of the thing that you two does. Yes, I don't know if I love all their music. Yeah. I don't know if I would consider them my favorite band, but I really appreciate what U2 is and what U2 does. Yes. It is good that there is a U2. Yes. Thank and you. And I wish them well. U2. Thank you. U2. <laughs> um, and I don't, uh, I mean, listening to the music from this musical, it is fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It sounds like U2 B-sides. I think U2 is maybe hoping, like Bono was maybe hoping that some of these would become legitimate yeah. hits. Yeah. Um, which did not happen, um, but there it's it's okay. It's spoiler alert. It's actually really hard to write a musical yes. that everyone likes. Yes, um, and the last one that that happened to was Hamilton. Hamilton. Yes. And none of those songs became like radio hits. I no, don't it's not like you're hearing my shot on the radio. You're just hearing it in uh in every uh i don't know karaoke room yeah but there are there are songs from musical properties that are mm-hmm. popularized like even that um that horrible uh B- barnum musical or oh, movie yeah, yeah. musical they, they had some there's an hits. inspirational song from that that has been at every workout class i have taken <laughs> in the past like 6 months which is bizarre to me yeah it's weird i mean i had to sing that rent song at two different school graduations 525,600 5, minutes yeah yeah uh, Every time you write a musical, you are trying to create not just good songs, but like classic songs. Yes. You want to add to the great American songbook. Yes. And they did not. Bouncing off the walls will not enter the great American songbook. No. No. Sorry. Um, But I mean, Bond on the Edge seem like they are. All they want is for it to be good. Yes. Um, And they don't. They're not. They just don't seem like dicks about it. They're just like, yeah, we don't want our name attached to trash either. We don't do. We literally don't do bad work. Yeah. Yeah. It is impossible for us to do that. Yes. Please, please don't let us do this. While all this is happening, all these internal shufflings and uh, speaking of rewrites and uh, technical fails and yeah, yada, yada. Um, they are still at this point, there are over 100 previews, which is they are still <laughs> hold the record for run. longest preview run in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Broadway history, they are still doing this sort of like funeral march of press yes. where like 
the stars you're going on late, like late night talk shows or like Good Morning America and performing these things. <laughs> and it, and like Jimmy Fallon's like, so how's the show going? And they're like, I guess good. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yes. It's working. You know, I just hung upside down for five minutes yes. last night while they tried to let, set me free. So when we last talked to you uh, five months ago, the show was about to open. Has the show opened? Almost, Jimmy. No, Jimmy. <laughs> Not quite yet, but you We're know, our there. hearts are open and our minds and yours should be too. So yeah, they're they're still doing all of this all of this press and and marketing um and it's it's kind of a bummer. Uh they okay, so they officially pitched this plan plan X to Julie, which is like the rewrite, which is going to I'm glad that they've adopted comic book lingo into yeah. their Yeah. Yeah. You're staying on brand. Um it would probably mean like a couple months of rewrites and fixing the whole production and blowing their date. By the way, the performers are like demoralized at this point. I'm sure. Because they are like, they're exhausted. They're in like doing embarrassing shit in front of people constantly. That's constantly also going wrong. Yeah. Like they are just absolutely at the end of their ropes. Um, They've done what could be a run of an unsuccessful musical before the musical is theoretically opened. Yes. Um, Julie is unhappy with, uh, this suggestion, which, uh, will involve cutting down Arachne's role. Which I is... know my precious spiders. <laughs> you can't my precious, beautiful spiders. We must include them. <laughs> we must include them. Um, there, there's a flurry of meetings. At one point, Bono tells Glenn, what would really be helpful is index cards. <laughs> Ivano asked Glenn to write a little power, little PowerPoint presentation for why this change can work. Um, oh, finally, they there's a coup. Julie's fired. They pull in a new director. He's this guy Phil McKinley, who has like Cirque du Soleil experience, sure. yes. which is honestly probably something needed from the beginning. Yes. Um, except. So Phil comes in and says things like, uh, the choreography where it looks like the bullies are jerking off. Come on. There's no place for that in a family <laughs> show. <laughs> Come on, man. It sounds like there was a, there were a lot of masturbation jokes in the original version, which I liked. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do kind of wish that I, I could see the, the like Tamor's psychosexual, like horror spider fetish <laughs> show of this. Oh, uh, yeah. Again, do a Joker musical. Yes, right. Plenty of plenty, plenty of masturbation of jokes. jokes. Yeah, room for that for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that guy walking into this and being like, "All right, I'm doing a Spider Man. It's like a bunch of flips and stuff. We'll do some fake. Why are those Why are those guys jerking off? <laughs> stop, stop! Stop doing that! Hey, don't, Get your don't hands stop. away from there! No, stop it! It's Spider Man. There are children in this audience. <laughs> um. They they also bring in this new writer who so then Glenn's territory is encroached upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the idea is that this original creative team needs some new blood because sure. it's very possible that Glenn might be like a little bit insane at this point. Yes, he sounds like he's I mean, a little bit reason- unhinged. Frankly, it's, reasonable. It's been like six years yes. and he still hasn't been paid. Yes. Maybe he's getting paid a little now. Um, but he he watches the script. Uh, kind of go you know what marvel wanted in the first place Mm -hmm. a kind of corny family-friendly musical without the guy punches a goblin yeah punches a green goblin he flies through the air yep jay jameson demands pictures of spider-man yeah 
And meanwhile, you know, there's a girl. He likes her. She falls off something. He, he catches, catches her with a web. Her. It's it's great. It's easy. Yeah, simple. Um, he so he says he watches the script as it goes down the road to Vanillaville. <laughs> he calls it the turn off the dark gentrification project. <laughs> so he he's now like. You know, he he crossed Julie Taymor, so a woman who once nuzzled him in an airport lounge, and is now he's cast her off yes. into into the dark. Um, but he's still also like as, attached to his version of the script. Yes. So he's it in sounds a weird like it limbo. sounds like he's been a little Stockholm syndromed by this. Totally. Um, he says that they add jokes in the script about Applebee's. Uh, there's a confetti cannon at the end, which I do remember from when I saw it, that there is a lovely... Do you remember the Applebee's joke? I do not remember the Applebee's joke. Uh, apparently, they even tried to add in a joke referring to Charlie Sheen's goddesses. Oh, do you remember that? God, really 2011 dark... sucked. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Tiger blood. Tiger blood winning. Oh, God. They they were trying to make some goblin like chorus girls into like the goblins goddesses. Oh, no. And uh, he was like, no, we can't do this. This is going to immediately date. This I mean, whole as thing. insane as Julie Taymor's project is, I would rather have uh, her brand of, of weirdness than this, than taking that project and being like, you know what people really love? Applebee's. Applebee's. Um, so they, they fixed the show. It opens like, two months later and the audience reaction is much more enthusiastic. People like it. <laughs> you know what? People do love Applebee's because they hey, understand I've been doing it. Applebee's. That's where that Spider-Man's going. <laughs> we uh, just ate there. The Times Square Applebee's. Yeah. Amazing. We were just there. Uh, Spider-Man. He's just like us. Oh hey, I turn off the dark too. Sometimes <laughs> every time I, I flip a light switch in my house. Yep. It's, it's something that it's, it's what the people want. Um, so yeah, they, it, it turns out people like what they can understand yes. and also aren't afraid of people falling and dying yes. during these, this, this production. So everything's dialed back. I think Glenn feels bittersweet about it because at least he ended up making some money. Yes. Uh, pros, the show opened, opened certain cons, less inane spider mythos bullshit. Yes. Um, near the end of 2011, so they 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 made it through the the year. I think they did like a six month run, mm -hmm. and then one of the producers was like, eh, "I think that sales are going to drop off, and like we'll probably it'll be curtains for us." They actually shattered the record for the single highest grossing week of any show in Broadway history. Really? Uh, in like the holiday season of 2011. Well, I, I just don't understand how you could break a record for Broadway things because it seems like in a single week because it seems like it would just be. Just a full, a full theater. A full theater. I bet maybe the tickets uh, were expensive. Six, seven shows. What do they do in a uh, eight, eight, eight shows? Eight shows. Yeah. Uh, in a week. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're charging more money for it in the spider sections. Yes. Where the spider flies over you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, it closed in January 2014. This is a little bit after the book was published. Um, so it ran like three years. Three years, which is not bad. Bad. Not bad. I mean, that that honestly is surprising to me because I remember this as like disastrous previews being open for six months and then closing. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it ran, ran that long. Yeah, it made it a little longer. Um, does anyone come out of this uh, happily? Well, Bono had a spider named after him. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you know about this? I believe I, rem I do remember this now, but I mean, okay, cool. Glenn acknowledges that there's a spider discovered in, in Joshua Tree, which is named Ab 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 Abstatitious Bo Boni. 
Was that because of the Spider-Man thing or because it was found in Joshua Tree? I guess they were like, ah, Joshua Tree, it's a spider. Bono has had some fingers in both of those pies. Yes, it's true. So why not him? Why why not him? (laughs) It's the the Venn diagram. (laughs) Joshua Tree. Of Joshua Tree and spiders. spiders. Bono. Bono. (laughs) I just can't believe the scientist even like knew that. Maybe he had a friend or something that was like, hey, you know, it'd be great. Name it after Bono. Yeah. So Julie Tamor doesn't have a spider named after her, no. but she didn't do She's, anything with Joshua. Tree. Yeah, I guess it's true. So, well, what has Julie Tamor done since then? Oh God, let's see. So this is, I mean, this this whole era was kind of a mixed bag for Jules because she, she in this period she put out across the universe, which didn't have the box office that she was hoping, but I think it was kind of like a sleepery like mm-hmm. hit. Um, she put out the movie The Tempest, which totally bombed. Yes. Um, he, I think she was. It was. This was supposed to be like a triumphant time for her, and it was not. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually don't really know what she's been up to. She's directed three plays since then. Okay. A Midsummer Night's Dream. Lo- loves her some shaky at the Polanski Shakespeare Center. Okay. Grounded at the Public Theater and M Butterfly at the ah. Court Theater. Okay. That's cool. Um, I mean, so nothing. She, it, I feel like this kind of took her out of the big blockbustery conversation. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's where she needs to incubate for a little while before she comes back with something else insane. She is set to direct the Glorias, a life on a road, an upcoming biopic of feminist icon Gloria Steinem, starring Julianne Moore and Alicia Vikander. Oh, they're really doing all the white ladies, aren't they? Yes. yes. RBG Steinem. Yikes! I mean, sure, it will be fine. Oh, I hope that it's. I hope that it is a uh, fantastic, uh, psychedelic trip through the life of Gloria Steinem, set to the music of I don't know, Carol uh, King or something. <laughs> Aretha Franklin. Franklin, sure. Uh, Fleetwood Mac. Mac? I mean, why not? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, I. I don't know, man. I, it's okay. I feel like Emma Stone should play young, young, thoughty Gloria Steinem. <laughs> Um, Julian Moore could be her mom. Hasn't she played her mom in Maybe. Crazy I don't Stupid know. Love? Get all the get all the redheads together. All make the redheads. Them, make them do do a big redhead movie. They should. De- that'd be amazing. It's Julian just, Moore, Isla Fisher, Christina Hendricks, Christina Hendricks, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, mm-hmm. uh, all those other chicks. Um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Uh, who am I thinking of? That's like. All of a sudden, she was everywhere, and she was in that um, Zero Dark Thirty. Chastain. Yeah, Jessica Chastain, Amy Adams. Do some sort of redheaded something yeah. something. It'd be great. Lindsay Lohan. Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> is, 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 is his uh, last name uh, like a, a t- titular? Actually, yeah. Is it? He, oh, yeah. He's a redhead. He has a red mane. He's Auburn. I've never thought of it like that. Wow, we're we've diverted. We've got far. we've ta- we've tamed hard. <laughs> we've tamed hard. We've tamed too hard. Uh, is there anything else in this story? Mm, that's pretty much it. That's he, pretty much it. So he at the end of the story, he, he thinks that he's never going to speak to Julie Taymor ever again. Mm-hmm. And since then, he, there's like an afterword where he's like, "Actually, yes, I have." And it seems like we are okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know. She she filed some lawsuits, kind of asking for more money that she like royalty money. Um, but those were resolved. Uh, so I don't know. Everything seems good between them. I was looking up what Glenn Berger has been doing since, and he has 
sounds like it's a weird sort of project. Um, where he's working on a trilogy about America, psychedelics, and agriculture. <laughs> um, cool. Sounds good. And then uh, the guy, the writer who came in to kind of spiff up this new script, whose name is Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, Sar- mm-hmm. he has been producing Glee and Riverdale and the oh. chilling adventures of Sabrina. So he is doing well. So he's well. killing it. Yes. Um he's he's in great shape. Yeah, he's doing he's doing good. Yes. Um probably <laughs> probably a little better than Glenn Berger, but I wish Glenn Berger luck on his trilogy about agriculture, psychedelics and something else that I've yes. already forgotten. Uh agriculture. Agriculture. America. America. Psychedelics. Psychedelics. Uh, so what, what, what is our takeaway from this? What did this? we learn? What did we learn? Uh, I mean, this is a, a big, I think the the best way to think about this is a, as a blank check project. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, when somebody has a little too much, uh, authority and a little too few people, uh, saying, Hey, maybe not do it that way. And, uh, you know, this is a, a one of my favorite genres of creative projects, a big weird mess, big weird mess, total disaster. Yes. Um, my takeaway is that if you're going to do a whole kerfuffin thing, yeah. the story needs to make sense. Yes. You can't have plot holes that end with, you know, someone falling off a, a stage yes. into a, a pit. Um, th- you need to justify your frivolity yes. and fantastical elements with a story that just checks out. That does seem to be the uh, the fatal flaw in this is mm-hmm. the, the the God thing. Uh, is that you can make a weird psychosexual Spider-Man, yes. sure, but Spider-Man is already weird enough. Yes. Like, again, it's the story of a man bitten by a radioactive spider mm-hmm. who decides to use that power to fight crime. And also uh, do some photography. Yes. I mean, there's like a man in it who has uh, four robotic arms that he uses to commit crimes. Yes. Like, you don't, need to add to like make more twists to this it's set in queens queens is weird enough yes you've been to queens it's it's weird yeah it's weird there they've got all these greek food places (laughs) they've got this strange delight known as souvlaki have you ever had tzatziki sauce (laughs) it's so weird yes very Uh, strange and in in apply and in deciding that there needed to be another twist to this fully invented out of Julie Taymor's mind. Yeah. Uh, that seems to to have been something that was added an essential nonsensicalness to this project that seemed to cripple it from the beginning. Yes. Yes. So that's how to not not do a musical. Yes. Uh and there are ways to do a musical that aren't this. Yes. Um it costs like sixty million dollars, but thirty million of that was just like literally poured it into a hole and then buried it. <laughs> for like the the sets and gear that didn't end up being used. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good that no one died working on this. Yes, that's true. Only that severely happened. Yes. Um, and Glenn Berger got paid, so congratulations to him. Congratulations, um, Glenn Berger. Yes. Uh, well, did we turn off the dark? Did we? Did we? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, the the musical eventually had to go dark. Yes. So the, the dark really life. won in the end. Yeah. The dark was uh, turned on. That's what happens when you try to turn off the dark. Anyway, uh, thank you for bringing us this this somewhat different story. It's yes. not a band, not a musician, but 
I always loved covering these disasters. Yes, it's a good disaster. Yes. Okay, so let's move confidently into the end part of this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do want to start by saying that we got a lovely bit of listener mail. Uh, So thank you, uh, Chase, listener Chase, for sending us your uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers speculative fiction zine. Uh, I can't wait to dig into this. It looks uh, very good. That is a a zine a zine of fiction about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm that's very very exciting to me. Yes, uh, I'm I'm sure that that's something that we will both enjoy. But this seems specifically up your alley, Molly. Yeah, I RHCP and uh, uh, fanfic are. Yes, you know, that's a that's the emoji handshake, <laughs> and underneath the emoji and handshake is me. Giving an emoji thumbs up, I guess. (laughs) So if you want to send us anything, uh, you can always email us at andintroducingpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us at Twitter at andintropod. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm Say What Again on Twitter. I am at Miss Molly Mary. Uh, Still underrated. Yeah, let's get Molly to a thousand followers by the end. Thousand by the end of the year, and then I'll retire. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Our SoundCloud is at as always at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Sorry, Uh, that's. Slash and dash intro dash pod. <laughs> it's becoming confusing due to our little uh, slash, game. Slash and dash. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should rate and review us too. But only positive rates and reviews. And really, the one review that you can give us is the real life review. The meat space review. The meat space review. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Didn't we hear a good story of somebody telling a friend recently? Uh, sure. Maybe. Didn't, yeah. Didn't one of your... Friends someone, here, one of my somebody. friends told my friends who t- told your friends. You told someone else's <laughs> friends. I, I would also, I'd like to give a plug to a uh, frequent uh, and introducing guest, oh, yes. Joel Sininski, who has a new podcast, not the Ballin' Out, uh, which is the only podcast about uh, ballers, HBO ballers, HBO's Ballers, but this is called Artist versus Mogul. Uh, it is a, a, a podcast, a roundtable discussion. talking about artists on a binary of whether they are a mogul who is concerned with uh, gathering wealth, power, power prestige, or an artist who is creating, uh, you know, self-expressive moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very good. They covered Taylor Swift. They covered Eminem, a couple others. Definitely recommend checking it out. Yes. If you like this, you will like that. Go listen to it. Yep. Uh, Two two taste greats that great taste together. (laughs) Sure. I haven't even been drinking. I've been drinking iced coffee. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, We've got a few more good eps leading up through the end of the year. Uh, Molly's teased some of them on the Twitter account, so stay with us. And we'll see you in another two weeks for another episode of And Introducing.